You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Inside the Yard on 105.7 The Fan. Basketball outside corner, got him again. All the latest Orioles news and rumors. Here's Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold. And welcome to it. Welcome to Inside the Yard. Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold on this wintry week in Baltimore. We think springtime. And Jeff, the Orioles have been very active these last few weeks, including what they officially announced last night and the signing of a king. Yeah, they picked up Felix Hernandez a night ago, signed to a minor league contract, you know, with Alex Cobb going to the Angels. You obviously have got to have some options that you can turn to and have a couple more people in spring training, especially realizing that you're going from 60 games to 162 games. So it makes sense that you would try and add somebody to that mix. And uh, for right now, they're going with Felix Hernandez, who a year ago when he was in spring training with the Braves before opting out for COVID-19 reasons, uh, was throwing the ball really well and probably would have been in Atlanta's starting rotation a year ago. Yeah, he uh, was pitching well apparently last year. He comes in and he is, you know, obviously has a track record. Few have ever had 34 years of age now, opted out last season, as you mentioned. Jeff hasn't really been himself since 2016, 2017, but a five-time All-Star and has that Cy Young Award to his name. And he'll have a chance to round out this Orioles rotation. Yeah, he will. And and I think that you will probably see the Orioles, you know, you already signed Wade LeBlanc to another minor league contract. It's something that we can talk to Mike Elias about when he joins us later on. I wouldn't be that surprised if maybe you added somebody else on a major league contract because Felix Hernandez, as you said, has dealt with the injuries the last couple of years. And you're looking for people that can give you innings in a season where you're making a radical jump in terms of games that you're playing. But You know, look at what Tommy Malone gave to the Orioles last year when he came over from the Braves. It was a a low-risk, high-reward proposition. You ended up picking up some prospects in return. Regardless of what happens with King Felix, though, you're going to have some younger pitchers in this Orioles clubhouse learn a whole lot from a guy who has been a six-time All-Star and has also won a Cy Young. Yeah, let's face it. If Felix Hernandez, who, by the way, at this point in his life and his career, with all of his accomplishments and successes, he's not coming here uh, for anything other than to prove he's still Felix Hernandez. And he's coming into a tough division, obviously tough ballparks to pitch in. But if he is anything close to that Felix Hernandez, and I mean anything close, he is going to be sought come July uh, to go to a contending club. And the Orioles could potentially, and we've seen them do this. You mentioned Tommy Malone turn a minor league deal into prospects coming back, or you could ride it out with Felix if you really like what he's bringing. The thing with Felix Hernandez is that he also had some time off last year. You know, he elected not to play. And with some pitchers, you know, taking a year might end up hurting your development. But this is a guy who's in his 30s, who's pitched for a really long period of time, and who has a great idea as to what he's doing. He understands how his body works now as opposed to how it once did. He's not somebody that's going to wow you with – big time velocity, 
but he knows how to pitch. He showed he could get hitters out. I mean, that's what Brian Snicker with the Braves said last year about Felix Hernandez when he saw him in spring training. We actually got an opportunity to, to see him he pitch the first game that the Orioles played in spring training in 2020, and he looked pretty good. He's not going to be the guy that was throwing a perfect game back in 2012, but he knows how to locate his stuff. He has an idea for what is in his arsenal right now. He's adjusted. And you kind of figure that if he can stay healthy, which has been, I think, a lot of the problem over the course of the last four years, then like you said, the possible return, but at least for now, the initial investment that you're getting as far as what he's doing for your young starting pitchers is really going to help. And let's work backwards here. So preceding the acquisition of both Felix Hernandez and bringing back Wade LeBlanc on two minor league deals, the Orioles earlier this week traded Alex Cobb, they're obviously senior member of their staff who is entering the final year of a four-year deal that started uh, really before or during spring training of 2018. The Orioles spin Cobb to the Angels, and they get back a young player, uh, predominantly an infielder, in Jemai Jones, Jeff, who has been a top 100 prospect. Pretty amazing considering all the injuries that Cobb has had to battle through the last few years. When you looked at some of the previous deals that the Orioles and the Angels have done, and it feels like when the Orioles have had a trading partner, the last couple of deals that they've done, it has often been the Angels and all the pitchers that you have picked up. You were figuring that probably this time around, if you were going to do a deal with Los Angeles, you were likely going to get an infielder. And in the case of Jones, somebody who has also played outfield for you as you try and increase your middle of the diamond depth at the upper levels. You're looking for guys that can play second base, shortstop, center field. And Jones has showed that he can do a little bit of everything in the minor leagues. Now his numbers when he was a little bit farther down in the system with the angels were a little bit better than say when he got to double a, he has not played at triple a before, but he has been in the major leagues. And you figure with Jones that he's probably going to be somebody that would start in the minor leagues for you this year. But if you have a need that should arise, something were to happen to Freddie Galvis or Yolmer Sanchez, or maybe an outfielder, you just needed a utility player. And let's say, you know, we saw what happened last year with Pat the Lake and how many games he ended up playing, then that could create an opportunity for Jones. And offensively too, he played pretty well in the Arizona fall league when he had an opportunity to go there. And I feel like it's a pretty good acquisition And if you're considering that you're giving Alex Cobb to Los Angeles, you figure that if you're going to get something in return, that Jones is a a pretty solid return. The other thing is, as you mentioned, Jeff, Jones could compete for a utility role this year. Perhaps, who knows, he might get starts along the way. But if you look at the Orioles farm system, it is loaded with a lot of really interesting infield prospects towards the bottom of the system, perhaps year two, three away. They needed a little more depth towards the top half of the system that could come in this year. There'll be guys like Ryland Bannon at spring training now on the 40 man roster. Uh, We know that it will likely be real Ruiz at third Uh, Galvis, who was signed a short while ago at short Sanchez, who was signed at the beginning of the offseason at second. So uh, that is somewhat set, but a lot can happen between now and then. And we mentioned the infield and Freddie Galvis. Your thoughts on that signing uh, to really replace Jose Iglesias at shortstop? Talked about it on a couple of different radio shows, including some on our flagship, 105.7 The Fan. 
And I always thought that Galvis made the most sense of all the options that was out there. You know, you heard Ariadrianza, you heard Robertson's name. He ended up signing a big league deal with another club. But Galvis seemed to make a lot of sense. And when you stack things up between Freddie Galvis and Jose Iglesias, who was your shortstop last year, if you look at the offensive profiles, they're pretty close to being the same exact player. I think Iglesias maybe a little bit better defensively if you go a little bit deeper into everything. But this is a guy in Freddie Galvis who has been up for a couple of different gold glove awards. He knows what he's doing. Last year, he saw time at shortstop with the Reds, and he also played some at second base too. So I feel like he can, he's going to be your everyday shortstop, but you could conceivably slide him to another spot as well if that need should arise. And then when you look at where his power comes from, 74 out of his 95 career home runs have come hitting left-handed. Well, if you're going to go to Camden Yards, that's going to give you a lot of opportunities to be finding some room beyond the outfield wall and out onto the flag court. So I think that it overall is a, is a solid signing. And then there is the element of what he can bring to the clubhouse. You know, last year, Jose Iglesias was lauded for the way that he helped develop younger players and provide another leadership presence when you didn't have Trey Mancini there. Galvis has said he's enthusiastic about doing that. So you bring him in, you have Felix Hernandez in on a minor league contract, Wade LeBlanc just signed a minor league contract. So having a couple of veterans around younger players and having some on the pitching side and then Galvis on the position player side is certainly a good thing. Yeah, what I heard uh, from Freddie Galvis after he signed, speaking to the local media with someone who just loves showing up at a ballpark. He loves baseball so much. Uh, traditionally, for Freddie Galvis, he posts up almost every game. And I think that's really important as you're trying to bring along a lot of young pitchers who need to know defensively, particularly in the infield, what they have behind them. Up the middle infield security is probably more important than just about anything nowadays when you take a look at the defense outside of the pitcher and the catcher but I think it's especially important when you have a young pitching staff and while you do bring a couple of veterans back into the fold on minor league deals you could see a a veteran pitcher coming in on a major league contract we know and I think everybody is expecting that you're going to see a couple of young starting pitchers in the mix early on with Kramer and Aiken. And then you've got Wells, you've got Bauman, you've got Lowther, you've got some other ones that are going to be coming up too. And you want to make sure when a ball gets hit up the middle, that it's going to be an out. And that's what Galvis can provide. Gilmer Sanchez has won a gold glove. And also having somebody like Austin Hayes or Cedric Mullins playing in center field, that is really, really important. And so I think knowing where your pitching staff is in terms of having younger players and a bigger season where they might endure some more ups and downs, I think it was important to make sure that their second base and shortstop combination were really solid. And, and that's how it, how it looks right now. A little background on this. This is Inside the Yard, officially started as a podcast last season and something we had a lot of fun doing during the regular season. Before that, we had a podcast actually during really the pandemic, and we we had a lot of fun talking Orioles history on a podcast called Orioles Magic, the podcast. So uh, this podcast will continue, but it's simulcasted now uh, through the next several weeks talking about the Orioles hot stove and what's to come with spring training now, just a few weeks away and players and clubs gearing up uh, for spring training, Grapefruit League Baseball, and of course, Sarasota, Florida. And doesn't Sarasota, Florida sound nice 
right about now. I don't know, 70 degrees, palm trees, the crack of the bat, Jeff. I'm excited about it. And so is Mike Elias, the Orioles executive vice president and general manager. He will join us coming up, plus Orioles Southpaw and ace, the senior statesman of this Orioles rotation, John Means, all coming up here on Inside the Yard on 105.7 The Fan. You're listening to Inside the Yard on 105.7 The Fan. Still racing, and he dives, and he makes the play. News, rumors, and scouting straight from the warehouse. Here's Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold. The all-new 2021 five-game flex plan is available now. Select the games that fit your schedule before the general public, including access to opening day. Plus, select popular promo dates like Jim Palmer bobblehead and Birdland Hawaiian shirt. Plans start at just $99 and are protected by O-Surance. Visit Orioles.com slash flex to purchase your plan. That's Jeff Arnold. I'm Brett Hollander, and we're taking you inside the yard on this Thursday night. And joining us right now is the Orioles Executive Vice President and General Manager, Mike Elias. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. Sure. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. Mike, let's start with the announcement yesterday of, let's say, a high-profile minor league free agent signing, someone with a Cy Young on his resume, and Felix Hernandez. Uh, Tell me what you're thinking as far as bringing Felix into the mix here in spring training and giving him a chance to earn a spot in the rotation. I think we're all looking forward to, to having him in camp. Um, you know, this is uh, an area um, where we had some, some good um, veteran signings uh, on minor league contracts and last year's spring training really, you know, helped us out in the early part of the season and, and throughout the season into the trade deadline. Um, and I think it's a good uh, balance to have with some of the younger pitchers on our staff now, um, especially after, the Alex Cobb trade, um, although we had been talking um, with with Felix Hernandez and, and had that in motion uh, well before the trade. But, um, you know, we, we've got a lot of young pitchers. We've got we've got Means and Aiken and Kramer, who, who are, are, are um, you know, not not uh, locks for the rotation, but certainly uh, put themselves on the inside track with what they did last year. And, um, you know, we wanted to get um, so, some a veteran presence with them. Um, and, you know, Felix Hernandez was, was very interested in pitching for us. He was at uh, spring training with the Atlanta Braves last year. We actually faced him, and I, I got to see him personally, and our staff got to see him. And he looked really good that spring. And, um, you know, the, the shutdown hit. He ended up not participating in the 2020 season, and I, I think he really missed competing and playing. He really feels like he's got more to do, even though he's got a Hall of Fame resume. Right now, he feels like he has something to prove. Um, I think he's excited to kind of uh, um, help mentor a young staff. And so bringing him into camp and um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to see what, what he's got. And I, I think just the, the, the you know, he, he's a great energy and a great personality and just having him around is gonna give us a, a boost. So um, I think it's fun. And, and, you know, we're gonna be on the lookout for, for more of these too. There's a lot of free agents left on the market and um, you know we're still working on that Mike do you think in terms of adding somebody else it would you could you're still leaving the door open that it will be on a major league deal where you have somebody who maybe pitched in the in the big leagues last year 
we're, we're definitely open to that if it's uh, the right player and the right value for the club and the right fit. And we're also open to exploring uh, similar uh, constructs like with Felix Hernandez, where it's a, an NRI contract, but by virtue of um, the player's accomplishments and by virtue of uh, the, the rotation that we have, you know, he's got a really good shot to, to come in and win a job. So it makes it an attractive possibility. Uh, for a lot of pitchers who are in the um, the NRI market. Mike, going back to just a few days ago, the Orioles have been active on a few fronts recently, but the Cobb trade to the Angels, not so much about sending Cobb to the Angels, but more about the player the Orioles got back in Jemai Jones. What's his pedigree? But we know someone who has been a top 100 prospect by all the publications before. Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, our, our, our strategy right now is um, we are uh, loading as much young talent into the organization as we can. Uh, we, we all know it's a lot of work to do and it takes some time, uh, but it's going really well. Uh, I, I, you know, we have one of the top farm systems in the game right now. Um, it, it is it's balanced with pitching and hitting in different positions. And I, I think you know, he's he's a great ad to that. He may be on our major league team to start the year, but you know, he's he's somebody that um, has barely played in the major leagues, um, is, is on the 40 man roster, has his options and is going to be in spring training. So, um, that's going to be fun. He's a guy, um, high profile high school player out of, uh, the Atlanta Metro area. He was a really good football player, comes from a football family. Um, I was still a, a scouting director when he came out of high school. I saw him play a lot. Um, he's had a very good minor league career and has gotten through the minor leagues at an extremely young age. You know, he's still 23 years old, has made his major league debut um, and uh, did really, really well at, at their alternate site this year. And then came up and played a little bit in the big leagues when they had a um, when they had an opening and, and got a couple knocks, um, which is always nice to see. And he's a he's a recent conversion to second base, very athletic. Can also play the outfield, but we do think he can play second base while he's not a totally finished product. Um, so there's just a lot to like there. He's, he's young, uh, versatile, a lot of physical tools, and he can hit. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But this, these are the type of guys we want to be bringing in the organization right now. And, um, you know, we, we really like what Alex Cobb was bringing our rotation this year. We were, um, you know, very prepared and, and, and happy to have them back, but uh, as, as we're pursuing our strategy right now, when we find a, a player and a return that, that makes sense for our long-term goals, you know, we're going to do it. And we think that uh, Jemai Jones was that player. Is there any reason why you guys have done a lot of deals recently with the Angels or have maybe they just had the particular players that, that you're looking for and that's made them the best trade partner? Yeah, they've been looking for pitching uh, for a couple of years in a row. And um, I think, um, you know, very smartly, um, they they decided to plug their short stop hole early and, and saw what what Jose Iglesias did for us last year and how he kind of blossomed um, with us and, and, and wanted them on the team. So I think it's just, you know, they, they've, they've been they've had some very specific needs. Um, they've been aggressive. Um, with coming to us to 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 fill them, and um, we've gotten a lot of nice young players back um, for it, and that's that's how it, that's how this goes. You know, you gotta you gotta give to get. Mike, I want to ask you about a group of of young pitchers who are on the forty man. Obviously, they're 
statistical minor league seasons were wiped out a year ago in Lowther, Wells, Bauman. I'll throw in Kevin Smith, who's probably in a similar place, but not on the 40-man roster for the Orioles. What are you looking to see from them? And no one, I don't think, is expecting them to make the opening day rotation or pitching staff, but how quickly could those guys move, particularly those already on the 40-man? Yeah, I think all three of the, the guys who are on the 40-man roster, and, and you named uh, Lowther, Wells, and, and Bauman, who are um, very well could pitch in, in Camden Yards this year if, if, if things go well and go right for them. And we're going to be prepared and hoping for them as options as we as we go through the season. Um, they're, they're all three starting pitching prospects. They've all three had tremendous success in the minor leagues so far. Um, Lowther and Wells are kind of in the, the the crafty lefty mold, whereas Mike Bauman is a is a power pitcher. I mean, this guy's got some huge stuff. Um, he has not pitched in in AAA yet, um, and um, where you know Alex Wells has neither. It's not really his fault. There was an outage uh, all last year. He would have, um, but but Mike ended the his alternate site experience with a, a flexor strain. He's fully rehabbed from that. Uh, but certainly we're not going to like push him out at the beginning of spring training and, and have him, you know, going hundred percent knowing that he's coming off of the injury and some of the missed time of that injury last year. So we'll probably be pretty conservative with him at the beginning of spring training, but I do think he's going to, if he pitches the way he's capable, you know, become a big league option before the end of this year. And that's our hope. So we're really, um, you know, just psyched about the number of, of starting pitching prospects that are starting to get near and, and we've gotten more in trade recently and, like you say, Kevin Smith was one of those guys, Kyle Bradish, one of those guys, both of whom had gotten through high A, um, both of whom pitched really well in the alternate sites this summer. And, you know, we'll see where they start, whether that's double A or triple A. I, I think it's TBD on, on, a, on a bunch of factors. But these are guys, those are the two guys that could go to triple A right now if we wanted them to go to triple A. I think they're ready for it. Kramer and Aiken, um, it sounded like, the two spots in the rotation were probably going to go to them, but they would still have to compete. I mean, now are you comfortable saying that these guys are pretty much going to be in your opening day rotation, or are you still saying as you were before that they're going to just have to go out and compete to earn these spots? Yeah, look, I, I don't think it's ever a, a, um, a certain thing or a good idea to kind of anoint uh, rookies um, for, for uh, ro- rotation spots. But those guys, I mean, what they did last summer was so impressive for us. Um, and um, especially with the circumstances, they were they were pitching at the alternate site, not even playing in real games. And the next thing you know, Dean's pitching against the New York Yankees with, with you know, 24 hours notice. Um, and, uh, you know, it's – it's um, it, it was good to see. So we'll, we'll see. I hope they just kind of pick up where they left off in spring training. But, you know, they're young guys. There's going to be ups and downs. We, you know, we don't know what's going to happen exactly. Um, but we do now now with with um, Cobb gone, uh, you know, the, the rotation spots of the guys that are on the roster. It's it's, it's young guys. And, I you know, I think um, we, we've got a lot of competition within the organization for that. And we're also going to have a lot of competition coming from NRIs or maybe some other free agent contracts that have yet to be signed. Orioles executive vice president and general manager, Mike Elias. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Thank you. That is Mike Elias. And coming up next, the man who will lead his rotation, Southpaw John Means, who finished last season with a flourish, truly one of the best 
final four starts in the big leagues last year. And any on a high note, he also had a big offseason becoming a dad. We'll talk to Orioles ace John Means on Inside the Yard next on 105.7 The Fam. The Junior Orioles Dugout Club is now Kids Cheer Free Plus, the all-new Orioles Kids Club for fans 14 and under. For just $30, each club membership receives free access to all Orioles home games, exclusive swag, a ticket voucher for four, free lower-level tickets, and more. Purchase your membership now at Orioles.com slash Kids Free Plus. Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold here on Inside the Yard on this Thursday night. And joining us right now is Orioles ace, and I don't mind saying that, even though he's someone who has, I don't know, only had a couple of seasons in the big leagues. He's earned that title. Orioles southpaw John Means joins us right now. And, John, before we get rolling here, congratulations on becoming a father this offseason. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a wild ride, but I wouldn't have it any other way. He's, a, he's an awesome little dude. John, who's been better with the, the diaper changes so far? Uh, I think she has for sure. It, it took me a while. I think my first diaper change ever came when uh, he came along. So uh, I've had to definitely learn from her. Yeah, I, I can I can mesh with that a little bit. When I became a dad, I had never changed a diaper. I don't think I even held a baby before. I was the youngest of three, so that wasn't really in my repertoire uh, when I became a father. But more importantly for now, let's talk about the Orioles rotation. And, John, uh, Alex Cobb traded to the Angels and announced yesterday the signing of Felix Hernandez. What was your takeaway on the signing of Felix and, and someone with that kind of resume coming to the Orioles rotation? Uh, yeah, I just got a big smile on my face when I saw it come across the screen. I just, uh, I, I couldn't believe we uh, signed a, you know, 15-year vet that has been there and done pretty much everything you could possibly think of as a pitcher. I mean, he he's done, I mean, obviously a Hall of Fame career, and, and I'm sure he's a wealth of knowledge. So I just can't wait for, uh, for that experience to, you know, be a starting uh, pitcher with him. John, what's your offseason been like? Because last year was a shortened season, and when you're going from 60 games to 162 games, it certainly presents some maybe some adjustments you have to make from a training perspective. So how have you gone about things maybe a little differently this offseason than you would in a, in a typical offseason? Yeah, I mean, the real big difference is just you didn't throw as many innings last year. And honestly, I kind of looked at it as a good thing. I looked at it as a kind of a positive to not uh, kind of put that wear and tear on your arm. So I was able to kind of throw may maybe even a little bit more this offseason and start a little earlier um, just to try to get those reps down. Because, I mean, when you're playing 162 games, I mean, that's a lot of reps. So to kind of emphasize on that in the off season and, and just try to get uh get those reps in and and be ready for spring training going back to your last four starts of the year john a 1.52 era 30 strikeouts in 23 and two-thirds and an opponent's batting average of 146 it was truly dominant was that as locked in as you've as you've ever been uh yeah that was the best i've ever felt probably in my entire life and um i Honestly, I've been doing a lot to try and keep that momentum this offseason. But uh, yeah, th that is that's as good as uh, it's going to get for me. And and hope I mean, obviously, I hope that I can be a little bit better. But um, but yeah, that was uh, 
that was the best I've felt for sure. John, we remember kind of how you were talking to us after the first time that you pitched against the Mets where things maybe weren't going so well and it was frustrating on multiple levels. Now, mentally, how did you get yourself past some of those early struggles and put yourself in the right frame of mind to pitch the way you did down the stretch? Yeah, that, that first start against the Mets, uh, yeah, that was one of the worst outings I've had as, as far as command goes, as far as everything goes, um, and just really mentality. I was getting frustrated. I was getting upset with myself. I was, I was pitching angry, and I think that's kind of what I was doing a lot earlier on in the year. I, just, I was trying to overpower every lineup I faced. I, I had this you know, velo that had bumped up a little bit um, early on, and I felt like I could strike out the world with it, and Obviously, I I, uh, <laughs> I couldn't. And uh, so I think that next start, because I had the Mets back to back, I think that second start against the Mets, I told myself, no matter what, I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to relax. I'm going to be who I really am as a pitcher. And that's a kind of even keel, um, kind of a low key, just trying to go out of lineup and, and pitch my best stuff. And um, that's really the only mindset that I changed and, and the results just came right along with it. John, you spoke about it during the season that Brandon Hyde had a very honest conversation with you. Does that, is that common in, in major league baseball for a team manager to kind of really open up in that way? And, and obviously at that moment, that's what you, the player, his player needed. Yeah. And, uh, it, he called me in. I mean, it was something that, I think people were hesitant to say to me uh, just because of what I had been through and everything, but he was, he was very honest. He was, he, he told me that, you know, this, this isn't you. When, when you go out on the mound, I, I don't see that same picture that I saw last year that I, that was so good. And, um, and I just, you know, it, it hit me hard. I mean, that's my manager and my team. And he's going to, if he's going to tell me that, um, you know, it was, it, it kind of hit, you know, pretty deep and uh, it was, the same uh, thing that I just uh, talked about was just staying relaxed. I mean, he's like, you, you just don't seem as relaxed and as fluid as, as you did the year before. And, and uh, so if he didn't say that, who knows what happened those last four games? I, I think I probably would have still been pitching frustrated, pitching angry, but since he had told me that um, it, it, you know, it set in. Besides that mindset change, the funny thing about it was the harder you were throwing, you weren't striking out as many as you were when you went back to your old mechanics and when you weren't throwing quite as hard. So was it strictly just you were striking out more because your command was better or was it that and maybe a combination of some other things? Yeah, I think it was a combination of a couple of things. I think I wasn't as deceptive. I think my my delivery was a lot more aggressive and fast. And um, I think I slowed down everything. And I think that helped with the deception aspect of it. Um, and I was, uh, like just the spin of the ball was different. I think I, I was, I was pulling off a lot of balls. I was, I was yanking a lot of balls and, and it was, it would end up instead of being away, it would end up right over the plate. Um, and if I would try and go in, it would end up hitting them. It was just, I would, I would miss glove side about four or five balls and, and, and you're never going to have success if you're, um, if you do that in the big leagues. So, uh, I think relaxing kind of got myself to get behind the ball better and, and locate that uh, arm side. And, and that was the biggest difference for me. Orioles Southpaw John Means is with us. John, what was your takeaway from the likes of Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken and some of the other young pitchers who got the call last year? And in the case of those two thrusted into the rotation. 
Yeah, I mean, those kids, I, I played with Keegan in double A and, and he was a big leaguer in double A. I mean, he was unhittable when I played with him back in 2018. Um, but, you know, seeing those guys and the development that they've had over the past couple of years in this organization and to see what honestly this organization has done as a whole um, with the minor leaguers coming up and with uh, the change and and just a different mindset these kids come up and, and pitch in the big leagues with. I mean, these guys come up and it's success right away. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of uh, of a different you know mentality that they're ha- taking into a minor league game than it is a big league game, and that's a that's a pretty big key when coming up is to have a lot of confidence um, pitching against, especially in the AL East when you're pitching against the Yankees and Red Sox. And and uh, I, I told I think. Keegan and uh, Dean both went back to back against the Yankees. And I was, I told them that was one of the hardest things you're going to have to do is go back to back against the the New York Yankees. And, um, but yeah, I think those guys handle it really well. And, and I'm excited to see him pitch this year. You benefited from Chris Holt's tutelage. You know, he helped turn you into an all-star. Um, I think a lot of people out there are wondering who is this Chris Holt and what does he do and why has he helped on the minor league side and what can he provide to the major league pitching staff? So for somebody that has worked with him firsthand, what can you tell us about Chris Holt and the impact that he's had both on major league and minor league pitchers? Uh, Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that understands both sides of it. I I think you'd be crazy to think that analytics isn't about as important as it ever has been. And and he is an analytical guy. That's what drives him. That's what drives the information that he gives out, but he's also done it before. He's also pitched, um, pitched. He's a pitcher. Like he, he likes to go out there. He likes the mental side of it too. I mean, you got to have both analytics and he both, you got to have the mentality too. And I think he, he, he serves a great purpose for, for that um, specifically is, is to get both sides of it. And I think that, when it comes to pitch design, I think you see a lot of guys coming up through the organization that find pitches that they didn't think that were any good. And all of a sudden they start spinning curveballs, and all of a sudden that's, that's a weapon. That's one of your best pitches. I mean, I know he has helped me greatly with my curveball, the change of, I mean, basically all my pitches are different because of him um, and, and, and in a good way too. So I think that that's just going to keep continuing. And, and I think that uh, a lot of guys are, are going to do really well because, because of him. John, for you personally, and take away all the oddities that we're all living through right now, but it's now February, uh, Super Bowl Sundays on Sunday. We're a couple of weeks away from pitchers and catchers officially reporting to Ed Smith Stadium. What's your level of anticipation at this point in your career? Are you ready to go? Is that something you, you at this point look forward to every day? Yeah, I, I can't wait. I, I'm heading down there Monday. I'm ready to go. I, I need some sunny weather because I'm out here. I'm in uh, St. Louis right now, and it's about 30 degrees outside. So I am ready to get down to Florida. I can't wait to get get some sun, get some dirt uh, under my cleats and, and ready to go. Um, I, uh, I can't wait. Well, another thing that's going on in Florida this weekend is uh, Chiefs and Bucks in the yeah. Super Bowl. Um Patrick Mahomes won one last year. He's going up against Tom Brady this year. Uh, we know you're a big Chiefs fan. What, what's your prediction for Sunday night? I think it's going to be close. I don't know. This whole uh, Tom Brady taking 12 days to himself. I think he kicked the family out of the house and is, is preparing, watching film nonstop. So that's that's scaring me a little bit. Um, I don't think we've seen this side of Tom Brady before. But I, I think the Chiefs are going to pull it out. I think that offense is too powerful. I think uh, – Mahomes might go back to back. So hopefully, hopefully that's what, what happens, but uh, it'll be a good one. 
John Means, Orioles Southpaw. John, safe travels to Florida. Thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations on becoming a dad again. Uh, thank you, guys. That is Orioles left-hander John Means. When we come back, where is this Orioles farm system ranking these days and throughout this offseason? Plus, we'll get you ready for spring training 2021 as we continue on Inside the Yard on 105.7 The Fan. While the Oriole bird is practicing social distancing and wearing a mask, he's also doing virtual bird visits to help celebrate special occasions with fellow Orioles fans. Schedule the bird for your next virtual event. Appearances are just 125 bucks, and proceeds benefit the Orioles Charitable Foundation. Learn more and book now at orioles.com slash bird. He's Jeff Arnold. I'm Brett Hollander, and we are inside the yard right now on 105.7 The Fan. And, Jeff, let's go back to our conversation with Mike Elias. What was your big takeaway from the Orioles general manager? I think number one, I had two of them. I think number one, that the Orioles are still going to leave the door open, that they're going to bring in a major league starting pitcher, even after you brought back LeBlanc and Felix Hernandez on, on minor league contracts. I mean, obviously I think we're all pretty excited about, you know, what Hernandez can bring to some of the younger pitchers, but I think it's still a, you know, the way to look at it where there might be some, uh, another person or maybe someone else signed to a, a minor league contract that could come into the fold. And so, those rotation spots aren't necessarily perfectly assured for, for Kramer and Aiken. I think we both assume that they're going to be in the rotation come opening day, but, but Mike wasn't going to, to commit to anything. And as he said, anoint one of them as definitely being in that rotation come opening day. But I think we, we have the feeling that uh, they certainly have the leg up. So I think that those two things were probably the biggest takeaways that, that I got from Mike. And um, you know, obviously the, the roster is coming together. And as we're at a point right now where it's getting closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting, guys are going to start to sign as the music begins to slow down. And some, they're not as many, you know, the, everybody's trying to find a chair to, to sit in and, and who knows that might end up working out the Orioles way. I like that analogy. And my, I guess my big takeaway from Felix Hernandez, and you mentioned this, Jeff, you called a game last spring where Felix pitched against the Orioles for the Braves and clearly that left some mark on Mike Elias's brain. And then the idea that he's kind of been on Jemai Jones for some time. And that's the mindset of a scout. If they've seen a player and he saw Jemai Jones a lot in high school, he was a big time high school prospect that doesn't leave you. And that impression will stay with you for some time. And he was a really good high school player. I mean, he was going to, he was committed to North Carolina before he ended up signing with the angels, but yeah, you, you, you mentally track it. And that's a, a big part of what being a scout is, is you, you take somebody when they were a high school player and you go back to it later. I mean, remember the, the Orioles when they made their deal and Jose Iglesias went to the Angels the last time, Mike kind of felt the same way about one of the pitchers that the Orioles ended up picking up. So there's definitely, you, you can tell an understanding and, and a, a memory you know jog as he goes through the process of, of trying to upgrade the Orioles. And what do you need right now? you probably need upper level middle infield depth because Rylan Bannon were we would, I'm, I'm tending to think that he would probably make his debut at some point for the Orioles this year, but having somebody that has actually appeared in major league games is something that you would like to have. And 
Um, you, you never know what, what's going to happen. I mean, we expect Richie Martin is going to be back for the Orioles at, at some point, but at the, at the same time, you know, bad luck can strike it at any time. And so having somebody like Jones and getting him for, for Cobb, I thought made a lot of sense. And then my big takeaway from John Means, and I think we've become so cynical, Jeff, as we look at professional athletes and major league baseball players. But when I asked him about his anticipation for spring training and he said, I just can't wait to get the dirt under my spikes. And I said this last year and I wasn't surprised at all. The enthusiasm and effort we saw from major league baseball players last year with no fans in the stands in a very odd and awkward situation. We saw from John means last year. I mean, every pitch, especially in the first half of the year, he's agonizing over these guys are so competitive and they love the game. They love the game. I think we lose sight of that sometimes. He said during the shutdown that he felt like he was on timeout when they, they finally were able to get things all structured. And before the, the Orioles ended up reporting to Camden yards for, for summer camp last year, I mean, he's pitching to his brother and they're going to this, you know, old high school field just to be able to get out there. So you can tell his love for the game. And, and I thought, you know, we talked to him a little bit about you get your mechanics in order and then you start striking more hitters out. And I think it was all those mechanical changes that, that he realized last year, trying to do more and trying to throw harder is not who he is. And as long as I, I think a lot of the changes that he made, he made in season last year, which you, you don't hear a whole lot about that happening and guys having a massive amount of success when you make a bunch of, bunch of changes from, from one start to the next. But you know, I think it was, it was part mental. It was part attitude and it was also just going back to what he was doing the previous you know, season and, and trying to use those things. And once he started to do them, uh, it ended up making a big difference. And, and I feel like it, as long as he's just continuing to sharpen his pitches and he found a formula that worked. And, uh, and last season, when he went back to what he did in 2019, it, it confirmed it. And Jeff, uh, if you're an Orioles fan and you like prospect rankings, it's a great time to be alive. And I, like everybody else, have been pouring over these lists because you see a lot of familiar names in the top 100 list now, whether it's Baseball America or MLBPipeline.com. And we've obviously been tracking this for some time. But Baseball America yesterday announced their new top 30 Orioles ranking. And it even includes Jemai Jones, who was just acquired by the team. He's 16th on the list. So think about that. Number seven with the Angels but 16 with the Orioles. And that says something about the depths of these two organizations. But quickly, the top 10 Orioles ranking from Baseball America, Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall. That's your top three. Last year's first-round pick, Heston Kerstad at number four. Ryan Mountcastle, who's still on this list, could be batting fourth or fifth this year for Baltimore. He's five. Gunnar Henderson, who I think has the most momentum in the organization right now in some ways. Yusniel Diaz is seven. He could be a guy we see. I expect him to be seen in Baltimore at some point this year. Michael Bauman at eight, Dean Kramer at nine, and Keegan Aiken at 10. So there's your top 10 list according to Baseball America. And think about it. Yusniel Diaz was once your number one overall prospect, and he has dropped all the way down to seven. And it's because, you know, Adley Rutschman, in addition to being your top prospect, is also the number one catching prospect in baseball. And then you've got Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, who are each ranked among the top left-handed and right-handed pitching prospects in baseball. And I think we'll probably uh, see 
all those guys maybe come 2022, who knows, maybe 2021. We'll have to see how, how things shake out and how the minor league season ends up going. But um, it, it's pretty remarkable to watch the amount of progress that the Orioles have made in a relatively short period of time. And you're not even taking into account the big splash that you made in the international market where you hadn't previously signed any international players to contracts of over a million dollars. And you ended up signing two. It was a, it was a banner day for the Orioles when they, they made that splash into the international market. And as time goes on, and as those guys get a little bit older, then they'll start moving into these top 30 lists. I think for us right now, they're really exciting to, to see. And it's, and it's cool to see that, you're getting five players in the top 56 prospects overall in minor league baseball. But the real measure is going to be when these players get to Camden yards, are they going to be able to have a big impact? And, and I think with the, some of the coaching um, things that they're doing in the minor leagues and with all the tools that they're providing them and the tech and how the Orioles have really gotten on board with the, the new age of how things are going, um, I think they are giving those prospects as good of a possible chance to continue that success in the minor leagues and do the same thing in the major leagues. That's a great point, Jeff, on the international signs. Uh, I do want it close to home for the Orioles family and the Masson family, and that is the loss of longtime national baseball writer. Someone used to be a co-host on the old Orioles hot stove show that I uh, grew up listening to. And that is Mel Antonin who passed away this week at the uh, all too young age of 64. Jeff, he's someone I know you knew uh, and someone I always uh, enjoy my time with and, and many, many press box conversations with. I didn't maybe know Mel quite as well as, as you Brett, but uh, Peter Schmuck, our, our buddy said, you know, give Mel Antonin a call talked to him and he talked about how genuine of a, of a person that he was. And I, and I got to talk to him um, right before he passed, you know, a day, a day before he passed away. And the thing that stood out to me was his positivity. He said that I think there is a path for me to beat this thing. And he believed that all the way to the end, he had a, a warrior spirit. He was a wonderful guy. Even as he was going through so much, he didn't want to talk about himself. He wanted to talk about you. He was asking me, how was your first season in the major leagues? And he, he shot me a note during the season saying, hey, I think you're doing a really good job. And and those are going to be, you know, my memories of, of Mel Anton. It was just the way that he approached a really challenging situation. And, you know, he was beloved. Um, and you just see all the notes and people talking about, um, getting to know Mel, and it, it's a it's a very very tough loss. But you know, I think he he's our reminder every day: be positive and uh, and be thankful. Man, did he love talking baseball? What a great guy to talk with. And we're thinking about his wife Lisa and his son Emmett. A tough loss for anyone who has read Mel's work or, or watched him on television or listened to him on the radio. Uh, he was a great great baseball man and great baseball writer. That does it for us. On this edition of Inside the Yard, if you missed part of our program, check us out, orioles.com slash podcast. We're back next Thursday right here on 105.7 The Fam.